Hello, and welcome back. It has been a a long, long time. Um, too long at that. And, uh, basically, I'm just gonna go over everything that's happened so far. Just a brief take on everything that's happened, and, uh, you know, we're gonna get back to a real podcast uploading soon, but I've been out of the loop, so this is just my take on everything. I have a list here, I'm just gonna go down it and talk about everything, give you my thoughts, you know, and it's gonna be out of order, it's gonna be all jumbled up, but, um, hopefully, uh, you know, y'all don't mind, and, uh, let's just jump right into it. So, first and foremost, let's talk about Paulo Nagamora, okay? Um, I don't really have any notes in front of me, so I'm just going to be going off the top of my dome. If I get some things wrong, uh, I'd, you know, I'd love to be uh, corrected, so just go in the comments and uh, tell me what is right and what is wrong. And yeah, so, uh, Paulo Nagamora, okay? came from SKC2 in the USL, and I don't have his record with me right now, but it was bad. Uh, it was highly in the negative side of things. Uh, definitely did not have a winning record, but he also wasn't there to win games, as crazy as that sounds. Um, he's came out f- forward and, uh, and said himself that he was there to develop players, and winning was a more of, you know, on the side, you know, a little dessert, if you will, a a little extra piece to the pie. But he was there to mainly develop players, and when you look at the players he developed, uh, we have a number, and I've got this from Twitter, I could be wrong, I did not look this up myself, but the number is 19, I got the number 19, 19 players uh, signed a first team or signed an MLS contract in his three years coaching there. And that's a lot. That's a lot of players to leave. And uh, if you can think about it, it would only be his best players that signed contracts to leave. Now, he developed players like John Luca Busio, who now plays with Venezia in uh, the Serie A. Um, and it really looks like this is a guy for the future. Looks like this is a guy we're bringing in to come and develop players. Uh, he's worked with young players. His his uh, team was mostly teenagers, mostly kids, playing against grown adults. So it's really hard to judge either positively or negatively on this coaching hire. Now, um, I personally don't think Pat Onstad would jeopardize his first big decision as his first year as a GM on a new team, so I'd lean on more of a side to thinking that this is a decent move, I guess? I mean, look, I'm not going to hate on the guy. I've seen his press conferences. I've seen him in action coaching the team. I mean, it looks like a guy that's a leader, and that's just what from what I've seen. And um, a lot of the negativity has been pushed aside now that we have some new players coming in, and I'll get to that later, but upon uh, the coaching hire, even myself uh, on Twitter, I was very negative, and a lot of the fans were too, and 
I think that is um, warranted given how the season ended last year. And um, we really wanted to see some of the big name coaches that we were linked to, like Jaime Lozano, uh, another coach from Liga Emekis, and other names that I can't think of right now. And we were linked to a couple coaches, but um, this guy has MLS experience, uh, or U.S. experience coaching in the U.S. Uh, he's retired, I believe, just three years ago, and he went directly into coaching. Um, he's from a winning culture in Sporting Kansas City. Uh, and, you know, I, I know we're all tired of hearing about that winning culture or the word culture. We've heard that so many times in every press conference that we're trying to bring back a winning culture. And I know you're tired of hearing that, but if we were to replicate any team in MLS, I think Sporting KC would be near the top of a team that we would want to replicate, despite them being our rivals, despite them being a team that we've always battled against. um, I think that they would be a team that we would want to replicate. And, um, Along with his assistants, Nagamura brought in his team from SKC2. Sorry, I don't have the names. Um, that was sort of you know an under-the-bus type of thing. It wasn't really hyped about, so I did not really remember the names. But, uh, you know, I'm fine with it. Uh, I'm fine with it. And I remain more neutral. I did remain... I was negative at the very beginning, but I am neutral now. I need to see the team play. Uh, and... And, and this is just another thing that I just thought about. And I believe it was Sean from Generation Orange that, uh, shout out Sean also if you're listening, but I think it was Sean that brought this concept up. And it was about our team, and it was about how we performed last year. And it was about how bad, like how much of it, how much of us finishing last place was the team, was the individual performances, was the team performance versus how much of it was on the coach? How much of it was on tab? And obviously, we did not have a very talented team, but we also did not play our best players. Um, a player like uh, Dharma Quintero, you know, a player like uh, Derek Jones, who showed promise, who had a couple assists, who was involved in a couple of goals early on and then never saw the pitch again. Um, it was just things like that. Where I don't think we even played our best version of a team that we had. Um, players like Mimo uh, definitely regressed. Players like uh, Ma- Ma- Matias Vera regressed under Tab. So, you know, obviously I can't put the entire blame on Tab, but I think a large portion of it, and yes, I think it's a large portion of it, was because of Tab and his tactics, or lack thereof, um, if you will. And so maybe our team isn't as bad as we all think. I mean, there's only one way to go whenever you finish last, and that's up. So I think maybe with a good coach, we finish like 8th or ninth with our team last season. But enough about that. Enough about last season. This is a new season with a new GM, with a new owner, with... A new team, and we're going to go over some of the, or all of the acquisitions, all of the trades, all of the action that's happening, and and first we started off with Nagamura, and so what do I think about Nagamura? Well, I think that I'm a little 
more optimistic than I am pessimistic, and that's just the way that I view things, and I think that Pat, I believe in Pat, and if Pat believes in Nagamura, then what the hell, so do I, so I'm going to go in thinking that he's going to develop our players, he's going to use a good team, and I believe that he can do the right things out there, and that's just my opinion, that's just what I think, I'd love to hear what you think, um, we all have different opinions on everything about the Dynamo, but especially Nagamura. Um, I don't see many Nagamura lovers out there, and I'm not saying I'm a Nagamura lover. I haven't even seen him play. I haven't even seen him in action. So I'm going to have to see that before I formulate a solid opinion. But for right now, if I had to pick uh, between option A, which is optimistic, or option B, which is pessimistic, I think I'm picking option A, because that's just the way I roll, baby. So... That is my take on Nagamura. Um, so let's just move on. So we got uh, Daniel Sterez, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, and I could be wrong, but I believe all we gave up was a draft pick in the second round for him. Um, and again, I just don't have the the numbers in front of me, but um, Sterez, you know, he did play in the playoffs with the Galaxy. He started when they made the playoffs. Uh, you know, he's a good depth guy. Um, actually, something about Sterez is he was mentioned by Nagamura as an example when Nagamura said in a press conference that, that nobody is, uh, is for sure granted a starting spot. And he just used Sterez as an example. And I thought that was interesting that he'd bring Sterez up. Uh, I never really pictured Sterez as anything except a backup. But um, usually, usually center backs don't get rotated that much. So usually you used to keep with the same center back pairing. Obviously, uh, they may not start every single game. But I expect the bulk of games would be Tim Parker and Teenager DB. But... Uh, you know, maybe Stairs gets a start in there every now and then. Um, yeah, I like this move. It's low risk. Uh, so, yeah, good depth. Uh, I'm fine with that. Uh, we're going to move on. And this is all out of order, not in the order that it's actually happened in the timeline. But, you know, I just have it written down from what I can remember. And I looked through Twitter and everything. So, uh, so next we're going to go on to Steve Clark. And... This is a guy that I was excited about. I mean, obviously we know he's prone to make mistakes, right? Hopefully our new goalkeeper coach, Zach Thornton from DC United, can uh, can work on that with him. Um, from what I've seen, you know, obviously when he was with the uh, the crew, I did not watch much of the crew back then. And when he was with Portland, I, I just don't didn't watch much of them. I, I just focused on the Dynamo. Um, but from what I know around the league and from what I've heard, He's not the best with his feet, and we we saw that in the MLS Cup that he played with uh, the crew, and also with uh, the uh, the Portland Timbers in this last one. Uh, he's prone to make mistakes, and uh, the mistake he made wasn't with his feet in uh, the Portland versus NYCFC game, but rather just a save that he missed. Uh, he should have probably saved it. He got a finger to it, if I believe, and it just deflected in. Probably should have kept that one out. Um, so, in the big stages, he's known to make a mistake. He's done it in both MLS Cup games he's played in. Obviously, the first uh, with the crew was a very bad blunder with his feet. Uh, if you haven't seen that, just look it up. I'm sure you could go on YouTube and type in Steve Clark uh, mistake MLS Cup. 
I'm sure if you type that in, it'll show his blunder, and it was pretty bad. Uh, and it just seems like the way that goalkeeper, the position of the goalkeeper is uh, transforming more towards the Ederson style of play, and by that I mean more towards uh, needing to use your feet, and uh, obviously we did not see that with uh, our, our old boy Marco Marich, and uh, I, I really don't think that we're going to see much of an improvement with Clark, but he is a top five shot stopper in the league, I, I do believe, so, I mean, obviously it's an upgrade. Uh, he brings leadership, he brings experience, he brings a winning mentality, and from a press conference with Tim Parker after the first day of preseason, uh, Tim Parker mentioned that he never shuts up, which is a good thing, and I like that. I like that. Um, excuse me? Um, yes, uh, I think that that is a good move. I think it's a, a solid move, and uh also not some crazy big signing or anything like that. So it was on a free as well. So yeah, good move. Uh, he obviously slots right into that starting position. And I think that he will do good with Teenage and Parker ahead of him. Um, we will just need to watch out for his feet. And um, so yeah, I like that move. Uh, I like the Steve Clark move. So next, I'm not going to spend too much time on this one. It's just Lasseter was sold to Inter Miami FC for 100k in GAM. Obviously, GAM is more precious than TAM. Don't ask me why. I'm not a GAM or a TAM person. I don't know why. I don't know the difference. Um, I just know that it is more, <laughs> more valuable. And uh, so 100k in GAM, I mean, the fact that we got anything for him was... Uh, just a great bit of business, so yeah, A-plus move to get Lasseter out. Um, never really showed out with the Dynamo. Obviously, he scored in his debut two goals, and that was pretty much it. So, I wish you the best, Lasseter. Um, next one, we have Boniac Garcia um, out. Um, obviously, it's been looming for a while that he would leave. I mean, I believe he's 37 years old, 36, 37. Uh, I mean, I thought he'd be gone two years ago. And, uh, yeah, I never really got uh, him playing center back. I never really understood that by Tab. Um, I never really got that. It was time to move on. I mean, obviously, he's a club legend. And uh, if anyone deserves a statue, it's Boniac Garcia. And I hope that he comes back to Houston. Um, he actually just signed with Olympia in Honduras, which was his uh, old club before he came to Houston. So I do hope that he comes back to Houston and coaches. Uh, he has two sons that play in the academy and that were born in Houston. So I'd love to see them continue with the program and uh, hopefully pan out into Boniac Twins. And that would be just an amazing, amazing story. Um so yeah, I do hope that Boniac returns in a coaching position. Uh, I'm sure he was offered that, but obviously with the World Cup ahead uh, and Honduras still in, I guess. I, I don't know if it's even tangible for them at this point, but he wants to keep playing so he can play for the national team and hopefully Honduras can go to the World Cup. Um, and along with Boniac, we'll talk about his Honduran teammate Figueroa. Uh Daniel Stairs is an upgrade over Figueroa. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. I think Figueroa 
played way too much for the Dynamo. I thought when he came in, he would be in a backup, but no, he became a starter, and he played way too much, way too many games for the Dynamo. He was very prone to make mistakes, and at least one mistake a game uh, came from Minor. And golly, he's had a shocker of a World Cup qualifier for Honduras. Uh, not a very good set of games from him. Many mistakes that caused goals, and uh, at least two or three I can think off the top of my head that were purely from him. Um, good that we moved on. I don't know where he is now. If you know where he is, I'd love for you to tell me in the comments. Uh, just uh, you know, tweet it out. And I'm not sure where he is. Yeah. Um, another thing. Big, big move. So this is uh, Quintero we're talking about. Um, it seemed like for a short period of time, we were not going to see Quintero back in a Dynamo jersey. Um, but alas, we we did see him re-signed, and I was listening to a Glenn Davis show where uh, Glenn Davis mentioned that he could be on a contract as little as 600 k where he was previously on a $1.3 million contract. Glenn Davis said that he could be on a contract 900000 less. Uh, so that is absolutely huge, not on a DP, on 600 k And it seemed like for a while that he wasn't going to come back. And I really do think that Pat uh, held true to what he wanted, which was on a much lower contract and not on a DP contract. I would have absolutely hated this move if Quintero was brought in on a DP contract. That would have been really bad business. But the fact that we got him to stay on a non-DP deal uh, is fantastic. Obviously, right now, he's our most skillful player. Um, there are rumors of a player coming in that I will get to later. And uh, I think he would start... Uh, if he played center attacking midfielder, I think he would start ahead of Quintero. But I think right now, uh, and I'll get to that player later, but I think right now, um, Quintero is still our starter, and he's still our most skillful player. And he's our best creator, apart from Fafa. I think it's close between him and Fafa. But uh, I think Quintero right now is starting for us, and that's not such a bad thing. We can still get one more good year out of him. He was productive when he came on the field and when he started last year. He had that amazing goal versus the Sounders, and uh, I believe he also assisted on Maxia Rudy's goal, which, if you remember, uh, the, the free kick, uh, the free kick goal. Also, Maxia Rudy gone. Um, I just don't have much to say I think he was never going to stay on the amount of money that he would uh, require. And uh, I think it was a mutual agreement. I think uh, his time in Houston was um, was enjoyable for him. And I think we enjoyed having him. And uh, he did his best. I think he's a hard worker. Um, just not very fast and not very... <sighs> I can't say he's not clinical because... He didn't get that many shots. He he just didn't find himself in the best positions to score. Um, and I think that hurt his goal production. But I, I think he was clinical. I, I think I would say he was clinical. It's just he didn't get that many chances. I think he got seven goals of the season. And a uh, cool fact about him, I think some of y'all already know this, but for those that don't, he's the first player to play for all three Texas teams, which I think is cool. 
Um, obviously, I hate Broccoli FC uh, talking about Austin here. Um, I despise them. Uh, no hate to my Austin FC buddies, but I just do not like your team, <laughs> honestly. Um, I don't wish him anything bad. I hope he scores goals, but just not against us. That would be really sucky for him to throw the arrow in the crowd if he scores against us at PNC Stadium. I would not enjoy that. That would hurt, actually, because that's a cool celebration. You can't lie. Apart, So, let me think. We have the robot from Cubo Torres. That was cool. Obviously, the Panther uh, celebration from Albert the Lease. And the arrow celebration from Maxi Rudy. Those are my, my top three memorable celebrations. The coolest one... I think is probably the Panther. I think I have to give it to Albert Elise. Uh, I'm going a little off track here, but I just remember that game when Albert Elise put on the Panther mask. That was so cool. That was really cool. Uh, and I'm getting a little off track here, so I'm going to get back on it. But yes, uh, Maxi Rudy out. Another player that is on his way out, allegedly. It's not over the line as of recording yet, but Bahamich is supposedly out on loan with an option to buy to Argentina. Um, oh, whoops, sorry. And, uh, yeah, I think that that would be a mutual, uh, mutual loan um, for both sides. He never really got his feet on the ground here in Houston, and I don't know how much of that was Tab or how much of it was him, but uh, from what I heard, he couldn't even crack the Dynamo U23s, and that's bad, so I really do think that he's just not an MLS winger, and I'm not saying that MLS wingers are better than Argentina wingers, but there's a certain play style you need to be to be an MLS winger, and that is fast, and he was not, and uh, I think that's where it sort of started and ended with him not being uh, a very good winger. I mean, if you look at our wingers now, we have Dorsey. Uh, Pasher, probably not the fastest, but he's not slow by any means. He's not sluggish, and that's the kind of, that's a word I use whenever I describe Mateo Bahamich, is sluggish. Uh, he just looks sluggish out there. And uh, maybe that works in other leagues, but in MLS, it certainly doesn't. And yeah, so you look at Fafa, you look at Dorsey, you look at Pasher, you look at Quintero, who played on the wing, you look at Mimo, who's played on the wing, and it's like, all oh, those guys are not slow, and most of them are fast. So I think that is where the problem was, and uh, yeah, so Bahamich out, and that is a wonderful bit of business. Um, so yeah. And uh, moving on here, let's just mention uh, one player in particular who got re-signed. And uh, that his player is none other than Darwin Serin. Now, I think all of us know Darwin Serin, and not for the good reasons, but for the bad. And unfortunately, there's a lot of bad reasons to to have as to why we are upset about him getting re-signed. And, I mean, he's just not a good player. I mean, I can sit here and list out, you know, the traits. I mean, for one, he loses his man way too often. Uh, 
another is he simply can't make a simple attacking pass. He's like La Back Pass or Sebastian Legette, as most people know him from uh, now New England Revolution and the U.S. Men's National Team. But even less of that. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I don't really get the whole Seren being re-signed thing. Um, interesting, inter- interestingly enough, uh, back about, I'd say, um, uh, two years ago, we uh, interviewed Zarek Valentin on the show, and uh, he mentioned, uh, for his pick of the MVP, he said Darwin Serin, and we were like, what? Like, Darwin Serin? So, there must be something going on, you know, in between what, uh, you know, in between that the fans just must not see or something, like, maybe he's a locker room guy, or maybe he's just the, co- the coach's guy, like, like you know, Christian Rodon with uh with the U.S. Men's National Team type deal, um or Paul Ariola more so, uh with Greg. Also, the roster just released for the U.S. Men's National Team. Um, I'm gonna go over that at the end, and uh, and I'll talk about that at the very end. But uh, moving on from this, uh, let's talk about. Flame or a little bit about Flamayor. He went to the USL. Never a uh, same deal with Bahamich, but just got way more time. But still, never really got his feet on the ground. Never started a run. He's in the USL now. Good for him. Glad he got to stay in the the US and play. Um, yeah, not a not a great player for us. Uh, but happy to see him stay in the US. So hopefully, he can, he can uh, rebound that career. And uh, so let's talk about Palomino for a little bit. Um, actually, let me, if I can, uh, look up his stats for Charlotte. Because um, I don't know exactly what... I know he had, like, I believe, like, three goals and, like, eight assists or something like that. I can't find it, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I'd say it's around that. And if I'm wrong, just, you know, point me out. But I think it's around, like, three goals and eight assists. Uh, And, you know, their team actually got the furthest it ever did in the playoffs. And he was a vital part of that. And I think that, you know, I think he's proven that he's MLS quality by now. He... Got a little bit of playing time in his first season under Tab. Like, I think he made, like, three appearances. Um, You know, I really hope that he doesn't get loaned out to Dynamo Dose, which, for those of you who are listening and don't know, Dynamo Dose, or Dynamo 2, is a new, I believe, professional, I think it is professional, a new professional league that is just a U23 version of every MLS team. And... It works the same way as RGV used to work or should have worked, but never really did. But it's supposed to operate the same way as RGV to the Dynamo, except this time it's actually in Houston. And this will be really beneficial for, for development. I believe guys like Ethan Bartlow, uh, potentially Bahamich if he doesn't go, um, Marcelo Palomino, Daniel Rios... Uh, or I, I hope not Marcelo Palomino, but I do believe he'll start out there, honestly. Just just putting it out there. I think he starts off there and he impresses. 
and then he gets moved to the first team. But I think he starts out there, realistically. Uh, if we didn't sign, re-sign Quintero, that might be a different story. But yeah, uh, we, you know, Danny Rios, Juan Castilla. Um, actually, um, this is a good point to segue into Thor. You know, I'll finish uh, talking about Marcelo Palomino, uh, and then I'll move on to Thor, uh, our draft pick. So, yeah, I expect Marcelo to start out at Dynamo Dos or Dynamo 2. And, uh, you know, if he does, like, I fully expect him to do well and show out and then get moved to the first team. But I think he starts out there. And I don't think that's such a bad thing either. Um, Our midfield is stacked. And I think guys even, like, even guys like Darwin Sarin are ahead of him on the depth chart right now. As as much as I don't want to believe that, I think that that might be the case. But who knows? Who who knows? I may be totally wrong. I mean, as most of us know, Juan Castilla did get minutes to play in uh, the, the, the dying embers of the 2021 season. So maybe he is a ready and maybe he'll stay. I don't know. Uh, but... Palomar Nagamora like does develop young players, so maybe those players stay. But you know, if I had to put a hunch on it, I think that they do go to Dynamo Dos, and I think Marcelo individually shows out, and I think he gets moved to the first team, and I think he gets solid minutes in the time that he comes up. Hopefully, before midseason, he can make a make a uh, <clears throat> a stand, a stance for himself to be with the first team, and uh, <clears throat> so. Yes. Now let's move on to Thor. Uh, Thor, I think it's Thorlifer Olferson. I think that's how you say his name. He is Icelandic from Iceland and actually played in uh, his boyhood club, which is a professional team in the Iceland uh, league before he came down to Duke. And uh, I think he played one year in Duke and... I believe for the majority of the season, he was out with the injury or out sick with COVID or, or some something like that. And he still came back and was one of the most prolific scorers in the college uh, league, in the collegiate league for the 2021 season. Um, so yeah, we drafted him fourth overall. He's a pretty tall guy, I think 5'11 or 6 foot. And uh, he actually has like a really funny moment. Uh, against, I I can't remember what team, but uh, it went. The video went viral, and he basically just messes with the goalkeeper, and then a player from the opposite, like they score, like Duke scores, and then Thor is just messing with the goalkeeper, and another player from another uh, the other team comes over to Thor and like pushes him to the ground. It's a pretty funny video, uh, but yeah, um, as much. As I like Thor, uh, I don't know how much of an impact he'll have this season. He allegedly is staying with the first team. He is an international, so he does occupy an international slot. And uh, from what I've heard from Nagamura and Pat, it sounds like he's going to stay and do what he can to contribute to the first team. And by that, I mean he comes and hopefully shows out in practice and gets minutes to sub on. And, you know, obviously Ferreira won't start every game. And with Bahamut being loaned out, I think, and with Corey Baird still injured, I think that our second striker is already Thor. So, yeah, I think he's going to get minutes to 
get subbed in, and then hopefully can bag a couple goals, couple assists, and then we can start maybe uh, you know, and 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 Ferrer won't start every single game, so, <clears throat> so yeah, I I do think Thor gets uh gets a chance or a couple chances to prove himself, and I'm excited about him. Uh, we haven't had a draft pick pan out since. I mean, honestly, Sam Junka. I could say that he's panned out. He's a pretty dynamic player for us, and I know that there's a lot of Sam Junka haters out there. But he can play left back, center mid, right wing, left wing, center back. I mean, that's useful. Those are guys that you want on your team. So, yeah, you know, I do think I can say that he's panned out. He's still developing as well. He's still only 24, I believe. Uh, so you can. Still develop. Uh, what else? Sorry, I'm looking at my notes. Uh, yeah, let's talk about Ferreira. So, if you've been living under a rock and you don't know, we signed Sebastian Ferreira from Club or Club Libertad, uh, in the Paraguay First Division, and his team, I believe, is the best team in Paraguay. Uh, they, I know they won the league last last year. And I think he was the uh, the Golden Boot winner for both uh, for last season and season prior to that. And he's also had time uh, in league at Mekis, and he did well with his team there. Uh, scored about uh, you know handful of goals. So he's scored everywhere he's been, and he's done pretty well. He is also no uh, you know he's not shy to get an assist every now and then. So. He's pretty well on the, you know, he plays pretty well on the ball. If you've if you've seen the uh, the assist videos that the Dynamo released, you know the little uh, montage. You should go watch it if you haven't seen that. But if you have seen it, uh, he looks pretty smooth on the ball. He definitely looks like a striker that we can play to. Um, and he's not small by any means. He's I believe five eleven, and uh, his highlight reel showed a couple heading goals. So. I, I'm excited with this. It actually broke the club record for the most amount spent on a player. Uh, previously, that was held by Cubo Torres, but with uh, so the the fee is expected to be around 4.5 million, and I believe what we're talking, what the you know community is saying is that it's around 4.5 million, and with add-ons and incentives, if those are met, it'll be to 6.5 million. But I believe it's 4.5 million was a fee. He is a DP, and as far as I know, uh, he, Sebastian Ferreira, is the only DP on the team. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Darwin Quintero was able to be bought down, and I believe Teenager DB no longer occupies a DP slot either. Um, so, let's talk about Matias Vera. So in a Glenn Davis show, uh, we learned that Matias Vera, when he got re-signed, it was for double his salary. So I believe now he's making seven hundred to seven hundred fifty thousand, and to me, that seems a bit overpriced. Uh, Matias Vera is a good player, but does not offer a lot on attack and you can't really ask him to provide that much in attack he's just not able to he had a little breakout season if you want to call it that and don't get me wrong i like matias vera and i think he does have a place on the team 
but I'm just stating the obvious. I'm stating just the facts. So he had a breakout season, if if you will, and he scored, I believe, three or four goals and had a couple assists. And I believe I could be wrong, but I believe that was his first season getting a goal or an assist. I could be wrong about the assist part, but I know for sure that's the first season he scored a goal. And again, soccer is transitioning to a sport where almost every player on the field needs to have needs to be a goal threat. You know, even center backs need to be a threat on goal on corner kicks. So it's like and I just don't feel that threat coming from Matias Vera. And he's a great defender. Uh but just does not offer enough on attack. Not enough to warrant a 700 to $750,000 contract. That's I can say that for sure. So I think that's I was that was a question mark. I think I can put a question mark above that move, but you know, Matias Vera has been an anchor to this team. You know, whether we've been good or whether we've been bad, he's still been an anchor and he's still a veteran. So, you know, I can maybe look past it. It's not the worst move in the world. And uh, I have a couple of uh, rumors that have appeared today, actually. The first one is Shaq Moore. And uh, most of y'all know Shaq Moore from his time with the U.S. Men's National Team. He had a, a little breakout uh, a couple of games in the Gold Cup and scored the quickest goal in a match uh, with the U.S. in recent history. I think it was like 20 seconds, in the 20th second, I think. They scored. Uh, Shaq scored. So right now he plays for Tenerife, or Tenerife, CF Tenerife, I think, in the Spanish second division. And he's just been, ever since the Gold Cup, I noticed he's been having trouble getting on the pitch, and he's not playing regularly. Not regularly enough for him to get in good form before the World Cup. So it's actually in his favor to come to the uh, the MLS and uh you know, based on the roster that Greg released, and I'll be going over that at the end and giving my quick thoughts on it, it's clear that playing in MLS is uh, definitely more positive than negative in Greg's eyes. And by that, I mean half the roster is an MLS roster. And I'm not some Euro snob. I don't even really watch... Uh, I don't really... I watch it, but I don't really support any other team except for the Dynamo. You know, I watch the uh, Champions League... You know, I watch the Euros, all that. It's just, I don't really care about who wins. I don't have a diehard team. And there's, there's nothing wrong if you do. But I'm just saying uh, that it would be favorable for Shaq Moore to come to the MLS. And, uh, you know, Greg might notice him more out there. And uh, he'd become an instant starter at the Dynamo. And I think he would be a welcomed sight for many people uh, as Zarek Valentin is not the most uh, loved right back in our team. Not the most loved player on our team. But uh, Zarek, I love you. Shout out shout out to Zarek. He's been on the show. If you're listening, if, if you are listening to this, Valentin, shout out to you, my man. We love you. Um, so the other rumor that has been sort of going around is this guy named Marlos. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know all about this guy because I don't. But I saw his card on FIFA, damn it. And it's an 81 rated card. So get him over here. <laughs> no, but in all reality, 
He is a 33-year-old center attacking midfielder slash right winger from Shakhtar, Shakhtar, Shakhtar. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. You know, that one team from the Ukrainian league. And uh, his numbers are pretty good. And just a year ago, he scored in the Champions League. So he does well at his team. Uh, the only problem with his team is that there is Dinamo and Shakhtar. And apart from those two teams, there is not one competitive team that even comes close to winning first place. It's either Dinamo, I believe that's the other team, or Shakhtar. And uh, no other team even competes for the first or the second spot. And he's just not in a very competitive league. And uh, But he does play for a very, you know, decent team. You know, they're always in Champions League or Europa League. They always make it. So they're always playing European competition. And, uh, you know, he still does well. He played uh, with Ukraine in the um, in the Euros. And from what I think, I think he did well. But I can't remember. I, do, I obviously did not follow U Ukraine. But I think he might have done well. And again, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm kind of just pulling this out my butt. You know, I, I believe he did well, but I cannot 100% confirm that. So, you know, he would, I really don't see a universe where we bring him in not on a DP deal. And, but from the reports I'm seeing, it sounds like he, like he's coming from the, coming to the Dynamo. I mean, the, uh, I've seen like three different reporters or not, I don't even know if it's reporters, but sources and, you know, I'm putting air quotations over the sources. They're foreign. You, you know, we can't really trust that. But I've seen three different sources, and they've all said the same thing, that he is coming to the Dynamo. He wants to come to the U.S. And, uh, and, and, and also, something that contradicts that, however, is I said that I don't really see him coming on a DP deal, but I also was pretty convinced that Pat and Nagamura were both straightforward enough to the point on us bringing another DP, which is that we're not, that we aren't bringing two DPs. So that kind of contradicts us bringing in, uh, us bringing in Marlos. So I don't know, you know, I think if we do bring him in, it will be on a DP, but, and, and if we do, uh, if he is a DP, yeah, I don't think that's the greatest DP we could get, honestly. I think that if we have to get him on a DP deal to bring him in, I don't think that that's the greatest, the good, the best DP that we could get. So, with that being said, I wouldn't be the happiest, honestly. I still think he would do well. You know, I think he's a good player, and I think he would do well. But on a DP deal just makes me hesitate. And I, and I don't want to have a DP that makes me hesitate, that makes me think. Like... I didn't question Ferreira being on a DP deal, not even a second. He's 23, he's hungry for goals, it makes sense. But a 33-year-old European that could come in the MLS thinking, oh, it's a cakewalk. Well, no, it's not. Look at Higuain at Inter-Miami. Look at, uh, what's his name? Uh, Matuidi. Look at Matuidi at Inter-Miami. Uh, yeah, it's like... It's really not, and when they come in and they act like that it's going to be the easiest thing in the world, they just do bad. The MLS, you know, for what it's worth, you can say everything bad about it, but you can 
also say this. It's a very physical league. It's a very physical league. And, uh, you know, if they're not up for it, they're not up for it. So, on a DP till, I don't want to hesitate about my DP. So, I would say I would not be happy him with him on a DP deal. However, on a TAM deal, that's a different story. I mean, I think that's a no-brainer, honestly. If we get him on a not non-DP deal in any way possible, like, I think it's a non... Uh, I don't think you question it. I think you get it. And I think I'd be very happy with that. So that's going to pretty much finish up the Dynamo talk. Uh, Obviously, where the roster's at right now, I'm not happy. But I think if we do land uh, Marlos and we do land Shaq Moore, I think that's a team that can do well enough until the summer where we will add a big name, you know, from what I've heard uh, from the press conference, it sounds like that that's when we're going to add a big name. And I think the team can do well enough if we add Marlos and add Shaq Moore to make it to that point. I think I think that's a pretty all right team, you know? Um, I'm not going to try to go into the starting 11 and stuff. It's too early for that. Uh, too many question marks. Honestly, you probably can't formulate a realistic starting 11 until we see the at least the first or second game of preseason. But I can probably name, you know, a couple starters. Like, I think Lundy starts. Obviously, Steve Clark starts. You know what? No. Y'all are trying to get me. Y'all are trying to get me into making the starting 11, and I won't do it. You almost got me there. Almost. You sly. You cunning people. Okay. But... Let's go on, uh, you know, so for everyone that solely cares about the Dynamo, this is where the Dynamo podcast ends. I'm going to segue into the U.S. roster and talk a little bit about that. So if this is the point where you turn it off, uh, thank you for listening, and I hope that you listen to the next show. We'll be doing a, me and my co-host will be doing a pretty big show after the first couple games of preseason. We'll be going to those that we are able to in person. Obviously, we're not going to Tucson, Arizona, where they are playing the tournament, but we'll go to the ones at Houston. And uh, after the first couple games, we'll be able to talk a lot, a lot about the team. So that will probably be when our next show is. So if you are turning it off now, thank you and have a great day. And if you are wanting to hear about the U.S. roster and my opinions on it, then stick along. So... Yeah, there's a lot of negativity. Uh, U.S. Twitter is very much like Dynamo Twitter. Very pessimistic and very negative. But let's jump in anyways. So the goalkeepers, um, you'll notice a face that we haven't really seen yet, and that's Gabriel Slonina, the 17-year-old goalkeeper from Chicago. And fun fact, he is actually the most expensive U17 goalkeeper in the world. And I think that's an interesting fact. Obviously, there's not much to go off of. Uh, but he's a pretty impressive dual national. For those that don't know, he is half Polish. And he has expressed interest in wanting to play for Poland before. And I think with his recent cameos in the U.S. camps, he's since changed his mind. But, uh, well, I think him being here is a big uh, tell uh that he wants to represent the U.S. And as to why there are four goalkeepers instead of the usual three, uh, as some of you know, Matt Turner is garnering interest from Arsenal. And 
he maybe will have to leave mid-camp to go sign a contract. And if that is the case, then that is why there are four goalkeepers, so that there can still be three whenever he leaves or if he leaves. Or it could just be a time just to give Gabriel Solanina a chance to see the camp. What do I know? Um, but yeah, nothing special there. I don't think anyone really has any uh, any problems. I think most of the people that do have problems are pointing at Sean Johnson, and they probably want Ethan Horvath there. The only problem with Ethan Horvath is that he's at Nottingham Forest and not playing. So, and, and I can talk a little bit about not playing. Uh, I don't want Matt Turner to go to Arsenal uh, because he won't play. He'll become a Zach Steffen or worse than Zach Steffen's situation where who knows if he'll play. Uh, I don't know. Arsenal fans, you let me know. I mean, what, what, what do you think? Let me know. So, next we'll go on to the defenders, and I'm going to list them out. So, Reggie Cannon, Sergino Dest, Brooks Lennon, Mark McKenzie, Chris Richards, Anthony Robinson, Miles Robinson, DeAndre Yedlin, and Walker Zimmerman. So, I have a few problems about this. One, I don't get why Brooks Lennon is there. Um, he's not young, so he's not going to really develop much more. He's still playing in Atlanta, and... There's a lot more, there's a lot better options in front of him, like Joe Scally, who can play right back or left back. So instantly, that is my one grievance. Uh, I would replace John Brooks with Brooks Lennon. I just don't see what Brooks Lennon provides. I think even Reggie Cannon is ahead of him on the depth chart. So I don't understand that. Another one I don't understand. It's not that I don't understand. It's just Mark McKenzie, right? Where is John Brooks? Or not John Brooks, uh, yeah, John Brooks. No, wait, okay, I got way confused. Okay, <laughs> back up, back up. Brooks Lennon, I would replace with Joe Scally. That's what I meant to say. And Mark McKenzie, I replaced with John Brooks. Where's John Brooks? Uh, if y'all remember in the first camp, it was Weston McKinney that got caught breaking COVID protocols, and he was released from camp, and then it was thrown under the bus, and then he was brought back next camp, and it was water under the bridge. It was water under the bridge. And John Brooks, apparently, well, he has been playing bad for club and uh, national team recently. But he's recently picked up good form. And I don't see why he's not here. I think that's a bad move. And that was one of the players I was looking for when I first looked at the roster to see if John Brooks was there. John Brooks is still out now, our best center back. He's the only center back that we have that can make long passes. You know, Miles Robinson is, is decent at that, but it's not his specialty. But that's John Brooks' specialty. And he brings World Cup experience. So, yeah, I think that that's an L. I think that's an L. And everything else, I guess, is fine. Uh, and at the end, I'll give my lineup, my starting lineup, to what I think the U.S. men's national team roster, or first game, will be. Uh, the midfield, midfielders, we have Kellen Acosta, Tyler Adams, Luca De La Torre, Sebastian Legette, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, and Christian Roldan. Um, I mean, honestly, I actually don't have any problems with this. I'm pretty, like, neutral on Sebastian Legette and Christian Roldan. I know I was talking about Sebastian Lebac Pass earlier as a, excuse me, as a joke, but uh, I actually don't really have a problem with Sebastian Legette. I know everyone hates on him, but I kind of root for him. That's just me. I'm giving my opinion, and I'm going to 
God damn it, I'm gonna stay on. I'm gonna stay on it. All right, I'm standing up right now. I think Sebastian Legette and Christian Roldan are fine. You know, uh, and and I'll stand by that. Uh, I think it's a good midfielder uh, selection. I think Luca Della De Torre, he's been tearing it up at Heracles in the uh, Eredivisie, and I definitely think I'm definitely excited to see him get more chances. Uh, I thought he showed out well in his one uh, showing at the World Cup qualifier against Jamaica when he stepped on for the last 14 minutes. I thought he played pretty well. Uh, he actually almost got an assist if Jesse Zardes could finish that, and. Uh, I think that's a good midfielder selection. Yunus Musa has been absolutely eating it at Valencia. He's been scoring goals. I think he has two goals of the season. Uh, been starting a lot of games. Uh, yeah. Uh, Weston McKinney, obviously, uh, he scored in the cup final against Roma, I believe. I can't remember what team, but he scored in the cup final the domestic cup final, and uh, I think Juve actually ended up losing that game on PKs, but Weston McKinney's been playing great for club. And uh, so let's move on to the forwards. Uh, we have Brendan Aronson, Paul Ariola, Jesus Ferreira, Jordan Morris, Ricardo Pepe, Christian Pulisic, Tim Weah, and Jesse Zardes. Let's just talk about one person that I think has gotten snubbed, but it's Jordan Pifok. And I, I, I think that Greg and the fan base itself don't, does not really rate Pifok. I think I'd rather have Pifok than Jesse Zardes, in my honest opinion. Uh, but maybe that's just me, and it seems like it is just me. And I don't dislike Jesse Zardes, but I think just Pifok is just better. Just, just a totally better version. Like, I don't think Jesse offers anything that PFOC can't do. Uh, so let's talk about what I like. Obviously, Ricardo Pepe. Obviously, Tim Weah. Obviously, Christian Pulisic. I like Jesus Ferreira. Jordan Morris being back. That's great. I like Jordan Morris. And also, I'm happy not to see Aaron Long. I should have mentioned that in Defenders, but I'm happy not to see Aaron Long on this team. Uh, this, he's not ready yet. Just got back from injury. And I like Brendan Aronson. Uh, and for Brendan Aronson, there's actually an interesting little... Uh, event, ha or not event, but there's an interesting uh, story developing with Brendan Aronson. Leeds in the Premier League has offered a $28 million uh, fee for Brendan Aronson, but Salzburg seemed pretty hesitant to let him go. They seemed pretty headstrong to keep him, and they could just be doing that for more money, who knows, but I think uh, it would be the second most expensive transfer for an American player if Brendan Aronson gets sold for $28 million. And I think Leeds is a great place to be. I think it's a great club to be at. I would definitely uh, like that move for him. So let's go in the starting lineup, all right? We're going to have Matt Turner, I mean, not Matt Turner, Zach Steffen in goal. Left back will obviously be Anthony Robinson. And the two center backs are going to be Walker Zimmerman and Miles Robinson. And then the right back will be Sergino Dest. The midfielders will be uh, Tyler Adams as the six, as the uh, you know the anchor back there, and we're gonna have Yunus Musa and Weston McKinney as a dual eights, and then left wing is gonna be Brennan Aronson. No, I mean Christian Pulisic. Sorry. Uh, left wing will be Christian Pulisic. Striker will be Ricardo Pepe, 
and right wing will be the god Tim Weah. And uh, I think we can get it done. You know, I'm pretty excited. We play El Salvador first in the U.S. I'm expecting seven points minimum. I'm expecting three points versus El Salvador. And look, Canada is missing Alfonso Davies. This is a winnable game. You know, I don't expect us to win, but I expect us to tie against Canada and Canada. And then we play Honduras in the U.S., and I'm expecting three points. Seven points minimum, nine points make me happy. And, uh, so, yes, that is my thoughts, and that is my predictions for the U.S. men's national team in this World Cup qualifier. I'm pretty excited about that, actually. Uh, but I think that's going to wrap up the show. I just wanted to give my thoughts on everything that's happened. A lot of stuff's happened since we last released the show. Uh, got a whole new regime in. And, uh, so thank you for listening, guys. Uh, if you could, you know, retweet this tweet that, uh, you know, I posted the link for. Like it. Comment under. Tell me your thoughts on the show. Tell me what you thought. Tell me your opinions. I'd love to hear it. And uh, whatever you do, don't forget to keep tabs.